began so long ago with a band of Queen's Park men. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Spiders Talk podcast. It's David Blair, Enzo Tamarini, Callum Stewart back again this week. Of course, looking ahead to another big game this coming Saturday away to Wraith Rovers. We'll recap all the news or well, some news that's been happening in the last week. It's actually been a little bit quiet for Queen's Park. Um... What we do, of course, have to go back over as well is the home defeat against Arbroath, which was a tough one to take for everybody. Um, thankfully, we've not had too many of these kind of unexpected losses this season. Most of the games, you know, have, have been to teams in and around us that, that we're battling with. But, Callum, how are you feeling after Friday night? I'm raging, by the way. See, after all the nice stuff that we've said about our bro, we're taking their pie stand, their ground, best away day in the league, and then they go and screw us over like that. No happy. <laughs> Enzo, <laughs> how are you feeling? I'm, I'm still really disappointed, to be honest with you, because there was, there was a lot of expectation going into that game, rightfully or, or not. I mean, the, the team that's top of the league should be expecting to beat the team that's bottom of the league, especially when last time we played them, we put four past them. And I know that they've proven to be quite a difficult team to beat. They're constantly grinding out draws. But in my head going into that game, the worst case scenario would be that we get unlucky and end up drawing. To come away with a defeat, is it's a, it's a serious, serious blow for me. Yeah. Yeah, it was a tough one. Um, we're going to go back over it and we'll, we'll we'll talk about the key points in the game and where we all think it's going to leave us for the for the next six big massive games uh, for the rest of this season. Let's start with the start eleven for Queens Park. It, it was as follows: it was Callum Ferry and goals, Marcel Oakley, Stephen Eze, Charlie Fox, Tommy Robson. It was Louis Longridge partnering Malachi Boateng, so Jake Davidson dropped to the bench in place of Longridge. Then it was the, I suppose now, usual front four of Grant Savory, Ewan Henderson, Dom Thomas, Connor Shields up front. So the big talking point there is, of course, Louis Longridge starting at centre mid. He's had a couple of good uh, substitute appearances there, at both times against Inverness. Um, Enzo, when we were in the pub before the game, we kind of looked at it and we all kind of thought, OK, yeah, we're fine with that, given his, um, his recent performances. When we went into the game, and, and obviously it didn't take long for a, an absolutely almost suicidal pass from Longridge, playing our both in and they got some early pressure. Was that the alarm bells starting to ring already there for you? I don't know if I'd say the alarm bells were starting to ring already at that point, because we, we have traditionally this season been a team that starts out quite slowly and, and gradually grows into games. And against a team like our both, they were always going to they were always going to come here, well, not here, but they were always going to meet us in the middle at local view and try to make it difficult for us. Um, and you could see early, you could see early on that that was their game plan. I, th- I think they'd have been absolutely delighted with a draw. As the game went on, though, the closer we got to half time, and, and and as the second half started to started to move on, I just felt as though it was going to be one of those days. And like of all games this season, to not have one of those days, it was Friday night. In terms of Longridge specifically, though, I. I, I I had no concerns about him because we, you know, we, we talked about it a wee bit last week. Maybe now, maybe his legs are going a wee bit, and, and that kind of deeper, deeper role suits him a bit better. Uh, I think the only, the only kind of lineup concern or change that I think I might have made would have been to start Healy possibly, but but again, that's something that we've talked about so many times. You know, that, is he better off coming off the bench when teams are starting to tire a wee bit and, and just running at players? Who knows? I suppose we'll, we'll learn that. Um, we'll learn a wee bit more about him and and 
how he benefits this team as we see more of him going forward. Yeah, I was a wee bit surprised that Longridge started and I wasn't necessarily concerned about it because he did look okay the, the, the week prior, but at the interview in the, the previous game, Coyle talked pretty emphatically about Jake Davidson and I kind of thought that he was just going to slot back in there when uh, we heard that Mal was going to be all right for the game. So I was I was a wee bit surprised to see Longridge. And similar to Enzo, I, I think I would have been... I don't know I, what your thoughts are on Henderson, but I've still not seen enough from him. And we've got McPaik and Healy sitting on the bench. And fair enough, McPake might not have set the world alight for a wee while now, but Healy's certainly shown a decent amount. And I'd be surprised, I think, if we don't see quite a few changes off the back of that game as there were some pretty pretty abject performances and I was reflecting on it a wee bit afterwards sitting on the bus silently in my uh, great <laughs> sadness and um, I don't know if this sort of result was maybe coming to a degree because whilst we've won our last couple of games it has been a wee bit of a slog against teams which aren't in the the upper end of the table but but still it was such a massive game and to kind of throw it away in the way that we did it was yeah, pretty painful. And the frustrating part is that whilst we did have quite a few chances, there was no real fluidity to anything that we were doing the entire game. And I don't know. I don't feel like we've done enough to win it. No, I, I definitely agree with that. Certainly that last comment. We, we we absolutely didn't deserve to win it. Obviously, going into the game, we were all desperate. We were all very positive, very optimistic about what was going to come. Um, as you said, Enzo, you know, we were top of the league, you're, you're going in against a team that were what, joint bottom at the time or whatever they were. Yes, they've been difficult, we even said that last week, you know, they ground out some uh, low scoring results over the last three or four games, but we just we just really, it's another occasion where we just didn't adapt to another team's tactics. We've obviously seen it this season, particularly Dundee and Morton, of course, pretty much every single time we've come up against them, we've just really, really struggled with the way that they've played. It seems like our growth finally came and and not weren't able to copy them fully. They weren't able to have the attacking threat that those two teams have carried against us this season. But they had read the playbook of just stifle us, don't give us don't give us a chance to get the, the passes round and, and get some nice quick movement. And they really limited us in terms of the chances. I had a quick look back at the, the highlights and you know notes that I'd taken and you had three shots from Dom Thomas in the first half. Uh, in order, they hit the crossbar. That was a, a, an unlucky one. A, a, a shot that was straight down the throat of Gaston. And then the third one was def a deflected shot inside the box. Gaston produces one of those saves that you just know he's going to make every single game. Also in the first half, you had Connor Shields with a shot um, from the left-hand side. But actually, the, the save was that third shot for Dom Thomas. So there was two shots in one move there. In the first half, how many balls across the box did we play just rolling it along like the six-yard box? No takers, nobody nobody taking that chance. Uh, a lot of the time, Corner Shields was out wide actually trying to help the play and, and get the ball in there. What, why, what, do you think, um, what do you think it was that we just couldn't change our attack and just couldn't create better chances than relatively aimless balls into the box? There was a couple of things that stuck out to me. I felt like both Robson and Oakley, that there wasn't that much attacking intent from them, and you rely on them a lot. We've seen what Oakley can do, but I feel like it, there was very little of his proper forward runs that we've kind of got used to in his short time with us. 
And I do think he missed Jack Thompson. Mal is very, very, very talented, one of the best players in the league, but he's not as attack-minded as Jack Thompson is. And whenever he gets a ball and he drives forward, he brings the whole team with him. Do you know what I mean? And Long Longridge didn't really do that. He, he got in the ball. He tried to make a few runs, but he never he never really had much in terms of output from it. Um, there was a wee bit of intent, but nothing that was particularly effective. Whereas Jack Thompson, we've seen it when he's on it and he's in the middle of the park, he gets you up to the edge of the box so often, and then you can start playing those nice balls in around it, whoever the striker is at, at, at the time. And as a result, you just felt that Shields was just totally starved. And it's exactly what you said, David. He ended up out wide looking looking to just get involved in the game because there was nothing coming to him. And the only chances that we did have, as a, well, the, the main chances that we did have are them, and you called it, the amount of crosses into the box. And we never, ever, ever got anyone onto the front post um, at any point, which would have been a couple of tap-ins. But... Yeah, everyone just looked a wee bit disjointed. And the other bit, which I think really, really noticeable, is the passing out from our two centre-backs is awful. And Charlie Fox is usually so, so good at it, has been for the majority of the season. But recently, it's, it's just not been happening. And similarly, with Eze, he's, he's never really had that in his locker, so it's not much of a detraction. But um, yeah, he just the, the, the two of them, there was nothing really coming from them the, most of the game, unfortunately. I agree with I agree with your comments on Jack Thompson. I think, and it's not necessarily a criticism of Boating because he's he's just a different sort of player. Although they both sit in the middle, they have different roles. And and if I'm being completely honest with you, I think both of them rely quite heavily on each other. And I think I think they both they they complement each other so well. And that's why we've had such a strong presence in the middle of the park all season. And when one of them, for one reason or another, has to drop out, it's it's not ideal. And 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 yeah, it's uh, it was a massive factor in, in our lack of creativity on uh, on Friday night. Regarding Connor Shields, though, so I agree that he was starved of any sort of service, and 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 that was that was exceptionally frustrating. But I would prefer that he didn't drift out wide because we have good wide players. And we have guys that can get into these areas and, and create things, create things sometimes out of nowhere as well. Um, and I'd rather he just stuck to what what he's been brought here to do, and that is to essentially replace Simon Murray. And 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 what that means is do the kind of dirty work in and around the box, get into good positions. And if the service, if he's not getting the service, that's not his fault. It's not then his responsibility to to go and create that for for other people. And. Uh, yeah, I just I, that that kind of that kind of frustrated me a wee bit. If I'm being completely honest with you, yeah, it, I mean it has been a good part of Connor Shields' game since he has joined us, getting out wide and getting involved there. But certainly he's been let down um, on that night by, as you say, certainly the lack of service and forcing him to go out wide and do that. But he's also been let down not just against our growth, but there's been the last few weeks where, as I say, nobody if he comes out wide, surely you'd expect somebody to go into the middle and. You kind of mentioned a wee bit earlier on, Callum, about Henderson. He has obviously been playing out on the left for us since since he joined on loan as well. But he is also, by trade, a, a striker and seems to be that he likes to play through the middle and he can score goals there. You would perhaps maybe expect, just uh, uh, certainly I expect him automatically, if Connor Shields come out wide, okay, then Henderson should be going into the middle. And you do see in the highlights, there's a couple of those um, crosses into the box where 
he's in the area, but he just doesn't. He just doesn't put that. I don't want to say he doesn't put that extra effort. I'm not saying that's the case, but he just doesn't get there. He doesn't have that extra step to get on the ball. He doesn't take that chance at the ball coming at the front post. Where, where, where do you guys stand on on Ewan Henderson's contribution so far? Uh, his time at Queens Park. So I think I think his head goes down a wee bit too easily. To be honest with you, I think the minute you've seen goes that, wrong, you've seen that when he gets subbed off, didn't you? A hundred percent, yeah. And I think I think the minute anything goes wrong, whenever he tries something and it doesn't work out for him, instead of getting stuck back in again, he just kind of looks as though he, he, he then starts to to almost fade out of the game altogether, and that's not what you want. And uh, I I don't know, like you say that he he has played as a striker in his career before as well as well as out wide, and that that's fair enough, right? But to be completely honest with you, whenever we've seen him in a goal scoring opportunity, like at a goal scoring position, um, a couple of times up in that up in the game that that never was in Inverness, he had a couple of really good chances that day. Uh, he had a good chance against I think it was was it Inverness. He had a great chance against or was it Cove? I can't remember, but uh, over the past couple of weeks, anyway, there was there was another brilliant opportunity when he was through and going and and couldn't put it on target. And I wonder if that's an element of his game that is lacking altogether, or whether it's an element of his game that's lacking when his confidence is lacking, because that's something that you do see fairly fairly often at this level. Um, being completely honest with you, I've I don't think I've seen anything from him so far that that excites me or anything that makes me want to keep seeing him in the starting eleven going forward. Um, however, the last time I said that, it was about Josh McPake, who then went and scored two goals the following week. So, so fingers crossed, <laughs> <laughs> something similar happens with Henderson. Aye, it's it's a strange one, isn't it? Because he does come with a reasonable amount of expectation, um, but he's he's not really shown anything. And I think he will be the the definition of a confidence player because you can see how I don't want to say emotional. That's maybe not the right term, but. He does get visibly frustrated and annoyed, and when he gets substituted off in the last, in the Arbroath game, it took about ten minutes, I think, to walk around the the side of the pitch. He just looked totally dejected, which is a shame. But it's the kind of harsh reality of when you go out on loan to a team and you're brought in as a sort of relatively biggish signing, you kind of need to make an impact. And we're one of the teams in the league that does have competition for places, so he's not going to be guaranteed a space. And from what we've seen of Coyle since he's been with us, he gives people, I think, a fair chance. Like all of, all of the guys who are currently out of the squad have pretty much had a period in the squad to kind of prove themselves. And it's not just necessarily based off of one game. Like you, you talk of McPake, when he started, he, he had a few games before he was kind of papped out for a while. Similarly, Scott Williamson's had quite a few games before he was kind of, obviously there was a bit less expectation on him. And we've seen it with the subs that ended up leaving us. Johnny Kenny had a run of games without really doing anything, um, as did Boatang at right back. So I think his time might be finite in the first team, based off of what we've seen before. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Healy starting next week, because he's going to have to do something to... Shake up the side a wee bit because that like that just was was not was not great from anyone. I think another thing as well with Henderson that that's probably playing on his mind a wee bit is that he's out of contract at the end of this season, so uh, he's he's he probably knows that he's not going to get a new deal at Hearts. I mean, Hearts didn't send him out on loan with five months left in his deal with the if they had any plans to actually 
keep him on beyond that, that that's probably not going to happen. So he's playing for a contract, whether it be at us or another championship side. And I think if he had to drop down a level again, he'd probably be exceptionally disappointed. So yeah, um, but as it stands, I, I just I, he's not he's not shown what I think a lot of us were expecting to see from, unfortunately. Let's talk about the goal because um, no. there's a. <laughs> do we have to? We, we, we do, Enzo. Oh, that, that's, that's what we're here to do. Unfortunately, we're going to talk very brief. Well, I, I say very briefly about the goal. We, we'll probably break it down a little bit afterwards, but let's, um, <laughs> let, let, let's talk about the goal. So, it actually, the move starts. It's an Arbroath throw in. It comes from another poor Charlie Fox pass. I think that one's actually. He, he actually almost blasts it at Davidson, who's came on off the bench at this point in the game. And Davidson has no chance of controlling it. The ball goes out for a throw-in. Arbroath throw the ball up. Obviously, it bounces about a little bit. And the ball goes then goes long. And it looks like Stephen Ezzy's going to control the ball and, and kind of deal with it. But his first touch massively lets him down. It's, it's a really, really un- unacceptable touch, I'm afraid, for um, you know a player... Playing even you know in the Scottish Championship, you just you got to be able to control the ball. Kicks it sort of five yards or so ahead of him. That allows uh, Dale Hilson to come in and put a challenge. As he does get another chance at it, and the fifty-fifty breaks Hilson's way, unfortunately. And at that point, as he's the last man, Hilson's running through on goal. Oakley comes charging across from the right back slot to try and help out. Hilson sidesteps him with a, a, a nice little move, and then puts it into the Calum Ferry's bottom left-hand corner. Um, it's it's such a disappointing goal, and given the the chances that we missed in the first half, and this was not that long after, some great work by Patrick Jarrett gave Grant Savory the ball a, a yard out, if that, and somehow it was Lewis Banks, uh, the Arbroath defender, got across, not only won the tackle, but kicked it off Savory from, from, as I say, almost basically inside the goal mouth, and managed to get it out for a goal kick. For them then to go up the park, a really bad touch by Eze. Uh, the our both were just kind of riding their luck. They were ba- they were basically happy for a draw. They were going to get one half chance. They took it, and uh, yeah, we, as I say, that move started with a poor pass by one centre half, a poor touch then by the second centre half. Left uh, Dale Hilson in. Lee Kilday was on the bench um, on his comeback from injury, so that's the first time we've seen him on the bench. Uh, if he's going to come in against Rafe Rovers, um, I think I know your answer, both of you, but Enzo, which centre-half are you taking out based on the recent form? <laughs> Do I have to dignify that question with a response? I think, uh, listen... Because the recent form, Stephen Ezzy right. has had you're some good no... games, right? But, I know, right. and I know, and I, listen, I'm, you know, I nailed in my colours to the mass last week. Stephen Ezzy fanboy, right? I'm not denying that. But he's he has been the better centre half of the last couple of weeks. You're right. But well, that well, mistake was really bad. Right, okay, okay, better so, centre half the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you, you know what I'm you know what I'm saying. No, listen, you're right. He's 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 certainly been more impactful anyway because he's because he's had um because he's he had that goal. He, he scored the winning goal, obviously against Inverness, and that is that is something that you have to take into account. But for me at this point, I'm more concerned about the the defensive capabilities, and we've seen. A really good partnership between Fox and Kilday in the past, and and for me, if that is available, if if both of them are available, if both of them are fit and good to go, then 
I just, it's a no-brainer, unfortunately. Listen, I, I talked up Ezzy last week, and I, and I think he has he has improved. But this is this is this is what you get with Stephen Ezzy. One week he wins you the game, and then the next week he costs you the game, and that's that. You can't yeah. realistically go through the most important stretch of the season with that, unfortunately, because I I just wish instead of him being a nine out of ten one week and a three out of ten one week, we could see some consistent. Seven out of ten performances from him, and I know that that's probably that that doesn't really. It probably does him a bit of a disservice because it, it does. It's a lot more complicated than just that, right? But for me, at this point, I just want I want our strongest strongest centre backs playing together, and and at the minute, that has got to be Charlie Fox and Lee Day. Regardless of the fact that I do agree, by the way, that Charlie Fox on Friday was exceptionally poor. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what's going on because he has had the odd performance recently where it's almost made me question whether... And I love Charlie Fox. I think I think he's a phenomenal player on his day. But it's almost made me question whether this level is kind of his limit. Even though in the past we've talked him up about how he could easily slot into a premiership team. And, and if, I'm, you know, if I'm speaking a bit less emotionally, I still think he probably could. But recently... He's probably let himself down a bit, a few times, but I wonder if part of that might also be because him and Eze, he's slightly concerned for having to overcompensate for some of Eze's deficiencies at the back. Saying that, he also had some dodgy performances when he was playing alongside Cody, so so who knows? I don't know, there's just, it's, uh, there's so much to it. Yeah, um... I think I agree with you on the whole from what you just said there. Eze's no... You, you you can't go through a season with that. Do you know what I mean? It, it, it is painful, and we did our best. <laughs> kind of hope that this was maybe the the start of a, a run of games for him, and a wee bit more consistency, and then something like that is just so overtly bad that you can't ignore it and pretend it's a one-off because in the sort of relatively limited amount of times that he's played this season, it just happens again and again and again. And if you look through like our man of the match awards we've given him like three man of the match awards this season and i swear all three of them are like followed by a, as you mentioned a sort of zero out of ten performance which is ah, it's, <laughs> it's such a shame because like everybody wants him to do so well and i don't know if there is that sort of possibility of it changing over time i mean at this stage it's probably going to have to be next season but there really would need to be a big uptick in performances for him to become anything near what you would consider our start one of our starting centre backs. Um and I, I said it last week for me, Kilday still comes back into the squads as soon as he's he's fit, which hopefully means since he was on the bench that it'll be that it'll be next week. And I think it might have an impact on Fox because they have been the best partnership that we've had the entire season. They've looked really, really comfortable together. Fox's best run of form was when he was playing alongside Kilday and I mean you just don't know what what the players are thinking because there's no way that the players don't know that Eze has that in him. Do you know what I mean? That must surely that must play in your mind a wee bit. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm hoping that Cody comes in and we see uh, a sort of upturn in the two of them. Even aside from the defensive mistakes, which has been poor, I really just want to see us back to the the good distribution from from out from our two centre backs because there was a period where it was creating so many chances. And even Charlie Fox's like marauding runs up the pitch, they've just kind of like disappeared. And whether that is because he feels like he has to cover a wee bit, I'm I'm not sure. But yeah, changes a foot, I'd imagine. 
There we go. That's enough about the goal. That's enough about that. We'll move on and we'll just end it there, basically, because despite going 1-0 down, we barely created anything. Um, Healy came on, as did Scott Williamson, but neither of them really had a chance. We um, It was just a real <coughs> struggle all round on Friday. And um, yeah, that let's... Let's move on and uh, talk, well, actually, let's name a man of the match and then we'll move on and talk about the championship and where we uh, are left standing after that. Uh, for me, my man of the match is probably the only player, I think, that got worthwhile pass marks, and that was Marcel Oakley. Uh, he had a couple of really good tackles in the first half to, to stop any Arbro threats. He'd done his best at the goal, but he's come flying across. You know, it's, it's nothing he can do there. He's done everything he can. Um so I, I, I'm going to give it to him on the on the basis of not really having an awful lot of other options. Uh, who wants to go next? Uh, oh, I hadn't even thought of a man in the match and that seems like the only reasonable justification that anyone could get a man in the match in this game. So I'll uh, I'll double up, double up on, on that one because you're right, he did. He had a couple of really, really good challenges. Um, and aside from that, it was a pretty, pretty limited performance all round. I I have an alternative thought process to that, Callum. Okay. So I was thinking, so it was a dreadful performance, a, an absolutely dire result. Therefore, I'm thinking who who had the least impact and we brought on two substitutes in the 79th minute. And, and I don't really want to call anyone the man of the match up until that point. So I'm just thinking Scott Williamson didn't... didn't don't remember him doing anything wrong when he came on. And uh, also, it doesn't make any difference when I say because he's already decided that it's going to be Oakley. So there you go. <laughs> going on yep. the, the least bad option. Yeah. Ends up with the, the spoiled vote there. There we go. I pretty <laughs> much right. right, then, there we go. So Marcel Oakley, our man of the match, in the 1-0 defeat against Arbroath. So the other results from the championship at the, at the weekend there. So... Oh, there was only two other games because you had the the SPFL Trust Trophy, which almost kind of hilariously was won one nil by Hamilton uh, over Wraith Rovers. You also had on Saturday Air beating Cove three 0 as you would ex- expect at this moment in time for Cove. Inverness though getting a one nil victory over Partick Thistle and and putting an end to their run of good form. Um, I suppose slightly less expected that one, didn't we? I wouldn't have predicted Inverness to beat Thistle, to be honest with you. But do you know what? Like a defeat was always coming. I think that that's their first defeat under Chris Doolin, isn't it? Yeah. So I think that was I think that was always going to happen at some point. It's not that like there's no way that they've actually just found the next Jose Mourinho or whatever. Like I, I know that Thistle fans have been quite excited by the the positive um, movement under Doolin, but I I still think you have to bear in mind that he's a, he's a young and experienced manager. And there's 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 going to be bumps in the road ahead. Whether he does turn out to be a really good appointment in the long run or not, we'll see. But um, yeah, eventually that was going to happen. Um, in terms of the the, the other game though, the, uh, the 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 cup final on Sunday or yesterday, I should say, I actually thought I thought the first half was a wee bit rubbish, but the second half, after what to me was a ridiculous red yeah, card, by the way, that was um, that. But that the way that Hamilton were just. You know, backs to the wall, and, and Wraith were really going for it, but were also absolutely toothless. Made for quite an entertaining watch, and and actually, I think that's the result that I would have preferred because obviously Hamilton now played on D next week, and and you have to hope that winning a winning a cup is going to put a wee bit of a spring in their step, and 
and <laughs> maybe they'll do us a favour. I don't know. I mean, they they need to do something a wee bit unexpected, um, Hamilton, because they are they are languishing now. I know that Cove are obviously on a, a really really awful run of form, but they're going to have to pick up some results somewhere. So, as you say, if if anything's going to give you a spring in your step, it's winning a cup final. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know how, what you feel about this now, but is it a wee bit funny looking at some of the games because I've kind of changed my perspective on my outlook on them. See, because in my head, it's a, a wee bit of a two-horse race between ourselves and Dundee. I'm more so looking at teams that we're going to be playing next um, or sort of soon and hoping that they start a wee, a wee bad run of form. So it was it was good seeing, uh, seeing Thistle lose that one to Inverness because... They've definitely had their tails up for quite a quite a while now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Exactly on that sub subject as well, Calum. Obviously, Wraith losing that cup final, and then we're coming up against them on Saturday. So exactly, yeah. Pretty much their season done. So you would hope that that gives us gives us a great chance to bounce straight back. Um, let Let's look at the the league standings. So. After that round of games, uh, Queen's Park still in first place, 54 points from 30 games. But Dundee have 50 points from 29 games. So their game in hand, which is against Wraith, uh, and that is on the 11th, so that's two weeks tomorrow, or two weeks on Tuesday this week. Once they have that game, um, if they win it, and of course if they keep winning their games, we keep winning ours, it will only be a one-point gap, so... We uh, perhaps are wanting to, certainly a Hamilton or somebody to do us a little favour there. You've got Ayr in third place, just a point behind Dundee at the moment on 49 points. Partick Thistle in 45, Morton 43, Inverness and Wraith on 39 and 38 points. And then that race for avoiding the, the relegation spot and the, the relegation playoff are both after that win on 28 points, Cove on 26 Hamilton on 25, but Cove have played 30 games, are both 29, Hamilton 28. So if Hamilton get that bounce off the, the cup win, they could be uh, they could be jumping right up past our growth there. I think Cove are going to go straight down, to be honest with you. I, I don't, yeah. they just like their, their form has been utterly horrendous pretty much since New Year or something like yeah, that. They've, they've won and one game this year. I, I just, I can't see. I don't think there's any any way back for them. Um, I think they will finish bottom of the league. And I also think whoever finishes ninth is going to have a really tough time in a playoff final, potentially against a full time Falkirk who 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 are they might even be in you know they might even have reached the Scottish Cup final by that point, which is uh, which is also going to be a wee bit of a boost to their players. Um, I have no idea what's going to happen. To be completely honest with you, it's. It's not going to be dull anyway. I have a feeling there may be some heartbreak involved one way or another for us or for somebody else or just across the league in general. And uh, I, it's, 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 it's probably as dramatic a finish pretty much across the whole division as anybody could ever have predicted prior to the season starting. Yeah, and see, although we've been very sort of doom and gloom, right? As you would expect after a result in a big game that you want to win, all that sort of stuff. I, I genuinely don't believe that Dundee go through their remaining games without one or two upsets because they've been doing it all season. If you look back through their results since the turn of the year, right? 
Their very first game, second of January, they lose four two to Arbroath the league. Right, we've done we've done similar. They've dropped points all over the place. The week after that, they go and they draw one all with Wraith. Do you know what I mean? They haven't had that fantastic. Well, they did on on the run up to Christmas. They did have a good run of wins, which is why they're kind of sitting where they are right now. But since that point, they've had zero consistent form. So I genuinely, genuinely don't think that they'll get to the end of the season without a few shock results. When it's going to happen, I don't know. And if we are the shock result, given given our performances against them, maybe that's what it's going to come down to. Um, We're going to have like an Airdrie style scenario where we lose to them all season and then like grab it at the last moment. I don't, I don't know, but I still think there is there is an element of sort of optimism around this because no team in this league has been consistent enough, and that's why we're still talking at this point in time with. The, ourselves and Dundee and depending I mean if we lose a game Dundee lose a game then you could potentially throw your back into the mix depending on what they do over the next few weeks so I I think there's lots and lots to come The only thing that sort of concerns me with Dundee is that for for a while now obviously I, I, I haven't watched Dundee since we last played them right but for a while there it seems as though um, Gary Boyle was persist, persisting with just one up front, and it seems as though for that game against Air last week, which they won three one, he finally went with two up front. And the last thing we need is is for him to have at this stage in the season found a system that works better with the group of players that he's got. Um, but I, I I do I think you're right. I think it's just I think that this league and the teams in it are too volatile for anybody to go and win six seven games in a row at this stage, especially because so David, you mentioned earlier on about how Wraith their season is essentially over, right? And and I understand that, and that is true from the players' perspective. But what you have to bear in mind is that prize money is a thing, and I don't know, not sure how relevant it is to the players. I don't know whether they get bonuses depending on league position. I'm, I'm not sure. But as far as I'm aware, the difference between, finish, between finishing seventh and between finishing fifth for a club is somewhere in the region of about 50, 60 grand, which is a lot of money for a club at this level. So, yes, the players don't really have anything to play for but in a weird way no game is truly meaningless because everything is still so tight no of course you're absolutely right there i'm just trying to find some kind of uh, <laughs> some kind of advantage or some no, kind of plus right. point but uh yeah i mean all that i hope is that their heads are down when it comes to this coming week which um you know we'll, we'll talk about a bit more very shortly but yeah, it's it's good <laughs> i don't know how many times we've said it it's going to be one hell of a an end to the season and if as as Callum's uh, perhaps predicting that it comes it comes down to that last game of the season and we finally get something off Dundee more than more than a point we actually get a win off them on the last game of the season that that'll be I, I don't know how I'll survive throughout the game and I certainly don't know how I'll survive after the game if that indeed does happen. I mean, if if we're still ahead of them, then I'll take a point. <laughs> a point yeah, of a course. Point, <laughs> of course. A point might be enough. Obviously, it just depends on the. On the circumstances, but listen, there's a lot of football to be played before we need to worry about that. Yeah, there certainly is. Let's have a, a quick look at the news roundup for the last week um, for Queen's Park. So there's a, a couple of other matches to um, come back on the results. So during the week last week, you had Young QP taking on uh, Dundee United in the Reserve League. It was a 5-2 defeat for Queen's Park. It was Alex Fairley and uh, a bigger penalty. For Queens Park there, but of course a, a a pretty pretty one sided defeat there, unfortunately for them. And 
On Sunday, you had the Queen's Park women in the SWPL2 lost 2-1 to East Fife. Abby Callahan uh, scored again to, to put the QP women ahead, but unfortunately East Fife came back and it was a 2-1 defeat there, so bit of a, a crappy week all round for results, unfortunately, for Queen's Park. Aye, write um, it off, move on, pretend it didn't happen. Well, let's talk about something a little bit more positive then, because um, obviously there's a little bit of um, jubiety here about what the actual date is, but if you go back to the 25th of March 2022, that was the day that Queen's Park announced Owen Coyle as the new head coach of Queen's Park. Now, I say there's a bit of jubiety there because, of course, technically speaking, he became head coach officially on June 1st but it does of course mention well first of all we all know that he was in the dugout from from that day but of course um it was mentioned in the article announcing his, his signing for Queen's Park that you know they had the permission with um, the Indian team that he left Jamshedpur to have Owen Coyle in the dugout and helping the team so I'm quite happy to accept that as the day. Uh, I mean, are we? Do we want to have any complaints or any debate about that? Ah, sounds good. We'll do go with it. So, so we have had a whole year of Owen Coyle at Queens Park. Now, whatever happens in the next six games or so, you cannot call this first year for him here anything other than a massive success. You know, he came in, got us through to the end of the end of the season in League One, took us through the playoffs. We all know how that went, and this season has obviously been has been incredible. Despite the few stumbling blocks along the way, we are, of course, still sitting top of the league with a one-point lead when you take into account the game in hand. Worst-case scenario that Dundee win it. It is still technically in our hands, no matter how scared we are of that fact. The brand of football that, obviously, between him and his coaching staff and, of course, coming from the very top with Marijn Bucher and, and working the way down... But the the football that he's got, the the players playing for it for Queens Park, the the team spirit that we've talked about so much, that's that's all Owen Coyle because you can just feel that when he's interviewed, when you see him whether talking it's QPTV or anywhere else or even written articles, you can just kind of feel it as well. It's been a fantastic year, hasn't it? It's been unbelievable. I don't. So I I didn't think I. I didn't think we were going to get promoted last season to start with. No, I didn't. No. I didn't think we had it in his runabout kind of up until February-ish. I just thought the team was lacking something, and I, I probably couldn't tell you exactly what that was until Coyle came in and we started seeing that real fighting spirit that had been totally missing up until that point. And that it, it listen, it didn't. It didn't happen immediately. There were still some disappointing results uh, whilst Coyle was there, but. As we got to the the games that really mattered and in the playoffs specifically, you saw this this real kind of energy and 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 uh, enthusiasm and motivation that he'd injected into the squad, and it was just it was night and day compared to anything that we'd seen up until that point last season. And it makes you wonder, like I, I think uh, I think <laughs> had he been in all of last season, and I know that this is a, a pointless discussion and it, it means nothing now, but. We could have possibly finished last season with about thirty points more or something like that. Who knows? Um, but then again, that then then you know you, you look at this season. Yes, we're 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 disappointed about losing to Broth on Friday night, but there's not a single Queens Park fan that wouldn't have bitten your hand off to be in this position in the first place at the start of the year. Do you know what I mean? Like he's he's done 
he's worked wonders. He has because regardless of, of, of how people who aren't involved in the club may perceive what's going on, the fact is, at least I know that we've, we've brought in a couple of guys over kind of January, but that's been through necessity more than anything else. And uh, it, it's it's important to recognise that he's essentially working with the, well, the majority of the players that he's working with now were here last season who who didn't look anywhere near up to the standard that we've watched this year and it's just it's 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 been incredible it's been absolutely incredible and and long may it continue 100 percent agree i have virtually no complaints about own coil's time here like obviously we're we're talking about a poor game on friday but that's just in isolation and even if you went and kind of messed up the the majority of the games for the rest of the season you still can't pretend that it's not been a great season and there's a few things that stick out for me since his time at the club and one of them you mentioned it at the end there Enzo is that the transformation of some of the players from last season is unreal and when we spoke to Simon Murray and done that interview with him he talked about it as well like Coyle just made them all feel like they were amazing you know what I mean? And that they could go out and beat anyone and he just immediately managed to instill that sort of mindset in them and that was really evident. The other bit for me which is really, really important given like given our club, given everything that's went on in the last few years is that he, he kind of, he seems really switched on to what it is to support like a smaller that. football club, yeah. doesn't he? Like he, yeah, he, 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 he mentions it a lot and he doesn't need to do it. If you know what I mean, like the football's so good, the the product's so good, he doesn't really need to bother about that, but he does make a point in mentioning it a lot. I have a lot of respect for that, and he does seem really engaged with it, which is which is great. And uh, yeah, could couldn't have asked for more. And uh, when you think back to the the names that were getting bandied about at the time, because we were apparently really close to signing Jack Ross, and that just feels like a total bullet dodged. Can you imagine? I know, I know, it's mad. Yeah, no, it has. It's been a brilliant, a brilliant year. I've got the stats here. So, forty-nine games in all competitions, twenty-five wins. So, just over fifty percent win rate there. I mean, for for a Queens Park manager, obviously, new new era of Queens Park and things to what we're perhaps used to. Part of supporting the club, but a fifty percent win rate, top of the championship, the football that's on offer. Um, and yeah, just as as you're both saying there, you know, his personality and just yeah, the the way that he does connect with the fans as well. Like how many clubs, you know, you can have however many fans, you could have ten fans or you could have ten thousand fans, but there would always be a segment of a support going, oh, I don't like the manager, I don't like what he does, I don't like this, don't like that. You don't ever hear a single word of that. Like everybody's fully behind him. The the way he wants us like Queen's Park to play and and to perform and for the most part his decisions you know uh, you, you pretty much agree with almost everything that he does he just seems to do it he goes about everything the right way and it's it's brilliant to have him sort of at the forefront of the club isn't it yeah it absolutely is and I, I say this with sort of hesitation after what happened with Simon Murray in January but I kind of feel like Coyle is bought into the and in very commas, the the project, the way that he talks about it, the emphasis on bringing through young players and stuff like that, I feel like he really believes in it. Um, and you can see that he does want to give opportunities to these younger guys. So, yeah, I, I'd, I'd love for him to to stay for a few years, but you, you never know, I guess. We'll, we'll see what happens. I think uh, 
I think what you mentioned there, David, actually is is really interesting because even going back at Queen's managers who have done, you know, who have been good during the last sort of 15, 20 years, I know you could probably extend this a bit further back, but I'm looking uh, at, at guys who, who were there during my time watching the club. Whenever whenever anything goes you know, whenever anything went wrong, even just the slightest thing, there would always be an element of the support that was that was kind of vocally critical about them. But but with Coyle, yes, you will hear some people who disagree with with the odd uh, the odd starting lineup, maybe that one or two players, and, and you'll get some people who maybe disagree with the timing of his substitutions or, or who he brings on when. But it's all done in a very kind of respectful way because you can tell that despite disagreeing with one or two decisions, everybody still loves the guy, and that's amazing. And uh, another massive bonus for me is that without even trying, he winds up so many other teams' fans. Like, he doesn't even... It's not even... It just comes so effortlessly, like, so effortlessly to him. He just needs to open his mouth, and everybody else is Even giving compliments? Reading. It's yeah. brilliant. It's absolutely fans, brilliant. Aye. Opposition fans and managers. He seems to get aye. right under their skin. It's brilliant, yeah. <laughs> with no. minimal effort. I, as I think it just all comes so naturally to him. It's it's great to have him here, and yeah, as as we as I think you said, Enzo, just long may it continue. You know, um, let's hope he is here for the for as long as possible. Of course, there's always going to be interest, and certainly if we do the unthinkable, even in our current position, if we do the unthinkable, it's just going to shine a bigger light on him personally, and he might be enticed away. Who who knows? But. That's the last time we're ever going to say that. Oh. Owen Coyle, that's a year in. Um, here's to many, many more at Queen's Park. Hopefully, his second year at Queen's Park is going to start with a win. If it does, that will, of course, be away. Another trip to Kirkcaldy against Wraith Rovers this Saturday. So, recent form, if you look at it, of course, league position in recent form. Queen's Park, first place, 54 points. Three wins, a draw, and, of course, that defeat in our last five. Look at Wraith, their most recent league game was a 6-1 win over Cove. Um, so they can also put six goals past Cove. I think they join quite a growing list of that, don't they? Um, they are, but prior to that, a loss against Partick Thistle, 3-0. A couple of draws and, well, a win against Arbroath. But of course, their most recent game was that got to have been a demoralising 1-0 defeat in the SPFL Trust Trophy final against Hamilton. We obviously touched on it a little bit before, but let's look at it a little again in a bit more detail. Enzo, do you think like do you think it actually will have been uh like a demoralizing effort and it's going to have a, a bit of a hangover for them? Um well, having watched that game yesterday, I I saw the same thing that I've seen from Wraith Rovers multiple times this season, which is a team that plays really, really good football and uh and you know they they can knock it about nicely, but they they just they really really lack any ability to put the ball in the net, and and it must be exceptionally frustrating for Wraith uh, for Wraith fans. They've caused us trouble this season. You know the 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 first game at Oakview, we're probably lucky to come away with the three points. Um, the five two game through there was probably one of the weirdest games of football I've ever seen because I think we had five shots in target and and we buried all five of them, but. I I feel as though having watched that game yesterday, there's 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 absolutely no reason why we can't go there and 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 take the three points. I I think 
I think the players will be a wee bit disappointed in themselves because that was ultimately the only trophy that they were they were still playing for, the only accolade that they still had in their in their sights this season. And they let it slip quite quite pathetically, to be honest with you. So I'm just hoping, yeah, I'm hoping they're absolutely gutted still and, and we can go out there and take advantage of that. Yeah, Wraith are almost definitely playing for, for nothing other than prize money positions now because they're, what, 13 points ahead? Oh, no, wait, 12 points ahead of Cove, who are ninth currently, so they're they're nowhere near that. They're not realistically going to make the playoffs. They're a solid seven points. Well, actually, they've got a couple of games in hand, so maybe maybe there is an outside chance. But yeah, I mean, they would have wanted, obviously, to win that game at the weekend. They're going to be demoralised. And it's another one, and I kind of feel the same way about this game as I did against our both. Like, if we want to actually go and win the league, you can't lose these games. Um, so we, we, we've got to go into it still, hopefully, full of confidence that we'll have the better of them but every time I see Wraith I always think that there's that chance that they go out and take sort of big results because they're not a bad football inside they kind of feel like a a sort of light version of us kind of minus a a striker and I think they set up all right against us despite us having what that one big win but you've got to hope that we can I don't know I just want a comfortable win for once I'm fed up with this I think uh I think there's two ways this could go. See the 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 Arbroath result. There are two there are two possible ways that we kick on from this. Either it's the start of a <laughs> of a downward spiral, or it could actually just be the kick up the ass that we needed. Because as you mentioned earlier on, we have been even though we beat Inverness and even though we beat Cove, we were far from at our best. And uh, let's just hope it goes that direction instead. Coyle's typically been good with that. I know we've had a couple yes. of really bad patches in the season, but see when you get these like really poor results, he, he has tended to manage to get the players to sort of kick on from it a wee bit. Yeah. Yeah, we have had a, a wee bounce back every time there has been a loss. Um, obviously, most notably, it was probably the, the last game this season where it was a, a really unexpected loss where it shouldn't have happened, which of course was the, the 2-0 defeat away to Cove on the Friday night in November. And that kick-started a run of five, um, six league games, sorry, interspersed with the two cup games as well. So eight games, uh, uh, eight-game winning streak over sort of Christmas and into Take the that now, I think. Yeah, exactly. So if if that loss, if a demoralising loss for us can kick-start a winning run, well, I mean, that's, that's exactly what the doctor ordered for us, if that is indeed the case. And it's going to have to be, I mean, a message to, to you guys. I think I did it a couple of weeks ago where I was saying, you know, you look at the last seven, eight games, or particularly the last seven games, I, I'd said are both Wraith and Hamilton. If we're wanting to win the league, based on what we've done so far this season, those three had to be must-wins. You then, of course, look at the last four games where you've got you know, Partick Thistle, Ayr, Morton, Dundee. I would have been saying, if we win those three must-win games, it allows you the chance to potentially lose two of those and, and, and still have a nice wee cushion to, to see out the season. You then lose Tarbroath, then okay, we've got to go and look ahead and, and where else we're going to pick those points up. But yeah, this week, if, if last week was a must win, this is a, a must must win. We have to. I mean, I I said going into this this run of three home games that we had there, so Cove, Inverness and Arbroath, that I said that anything less than nine points and I, I didn't think we would win the league. And 
I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of my expectation has certainly been dampened and I'm almost I'm almost expecting the worst now, but all it takes is for us to go out there and, and get a good result against Wraith or Dundee to get you know to, to, to draw with somebody or lose to somebody that you wouldn't otherwise expect them to. And all of a sudden I'm going to be riding this hype train straight straight to the premiership. So I'd, 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 I'd And they say uh, they say football fans are fickle, eh, Enzo. <laughs> Well, listen, I've I've never denied it. I've never, never, ever denied it. Um, but we have, we have to win it. There's, it's as straightforward as that. It's not a game that we can afford to drop points in. We have to win it, and fingers crossed, everything comes together. And and, and the players are are desperate to show that Friday night wasn't wasn't a fair reflection of of what they can do. So, what changes he is making then, if any? Um, um, I mean, I think so. I think we're all agreed that Kilday is going to come in, and it's probably going to be Stephen Ezzy that takes a, at least one week on the bench, uh, if Lee Kilday's fit, of course. Um, there's still no sort of news or any sign of Jack Thompson. I don't think so. Don't know how long he's going to be out for. If he's still out, for me, it's Jake Davidson in midfield where he can do. I think it was you said it earlier on, Calum. You know that Longridge didn't really give the, the runs forward that, that Jack Thompson can do from midfield besides Malboating. So I think Davidson can do that. Maybe not quite to the level of, of Jack Thompson, but certainly he can do it and he's, we've seen him do it quite well this season. So for me, it would be Davidson and, and Boateng in midfield if possible. And I think I'd be taking Henderson out as well and Healy on the left. So that would be four changes for me if um, if required. Yeah, Uh have we ever gone into a game and made quite so many changes before this season? Or would that be a first? Um, off the top of my head, no. It's been a pretty settled start in 11, really, apart from a couple of injuries or, you know, when we've signed a, a new player or two. Um, they've always had a couple of weeks to come in and then they've kind of claimed a space. So, no, I don't think we have gone one week to another with four changes. But then again, there's only been, say, a couple of instances where you would maybe be asking for that. And I think, yeah, I think this week is sure. one of them. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think. Wait, who think are your four, David? Remind me. So bring if Kilday's fit, bring him in. Now, if if Jack Thompson's fit, bring him straight back in. But if he's still completely out of the picture, uh, bring Davidson in for Longridge. Uh, oh, was it just three changes? Sorry, and Henderson. Aye, Davidson, Kilday. Yeah, sorry, oh, three. Can I count three or four changes? Whatever. But I mean, you could argue after the after the Arbroath performance that there could be four. There could be five changes. You know. There were a few that, that didn't have great games and who knows, it's not something that he's done this season, but maybe maybe but Owen yeah. Coyle will want to send a message. Yeah, my, my question still applies. Do you know what I mean? We have had, for the most part, quite a settled squad. And and maybe the past few weeks we haven't had that, actually, when you consider some of the changes that have been that have been forced upon Coyle. Possible I mean it's it's possible that that's been a factor in things being a wee bit bumpy. Um but yeah, I'd like to see Healy in for Henderson again. I've just I've not seen enough from him to justify. I don't think he's done anywhere near enough to justify retaining that position when we have a hungry young player that's actually ours as well on the bench. Um, Davidson or Thompson for Longridge and Cody in for Eze. That's that's I'd like to see. I'd be I'd be quite pleased to see all of that. Do you think he might be tempted to kind of do what his substitutions were over the weekend and put Savory out wide and then sit Jarrett in behind the striker? 
I don't think that would be my preference. I, I much prefer Savory sitting in behind Shields rather than having him out wide. I feel like you lose a wee bit when he's out wide. Um, but I wonder if he may be tempted to do that. Because, I mean, I, I, I was a wee bit surprised with the substitution. I'm not going to go back over the game, but I was a wee bit surprised by the order of the substitutions in their growth game when he uh, didn't bring on Healy straight away. I kind of thought that would have been the approach that he went, whereas instead he moved Savory out wide. I wonder if that's maybe an indication of what he might try. No, I, I agree. Um, Stavery in the middle. Uh, you do lose a little bit of him, and he didn't. He didn't really. He didn't really contribute much when he went out to the left wing until he was then subbed off later on. Um, now nah, it's a shame for Patrick Jarrett because I I quite like Jarrett again, and he had the really good bit of footwork that created that chance that Stavery should have bundled into the back of the net anyway, like by any means necessary, and he unfortunately couldn't. But no, Stavery didn't offer too much on the left for me so I, I'd be wanting to keep him in the middle um, at all times Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that Right then, so let's make our uh, match predictions, now that we're all in agreement here, let's disagree on how we're, how much we're going to win by on Saturday <laughs> uh, No no bonus points for us last week so uh, I'm assuming it'll be me again then, still languishing in last place Gallum? It is indeed Alright Um I'm going to steal your thunder here, Enzo, because we are going to go for something daft. We are going to bounce back in style against a race team that couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo and just get ourselves right back on track. It's going to be 4 0 Queen's Park. You're going to have Connor Shield scoring first, Dom Thomas, Grant Savory, and. Well, I was going to say Healy and say all the front four, but I don't know if obviously Healy was starting. Those three will certainly start. Give me, give me Lethal Day. No, no, not Lethal Day. Charlie Fox. Give me Charlie Fox because, of course, I don't know if Lethal Day will play. Charlie nice. Fox is a header. Charlie Fox header as opposed to Charlie Fox marauding run. Well, yeah, he's not done it in that long, so I, I'd Lethal love Day's it. If it's a marauding... You never know. <laughs> uh, I, I'd love it if it was a Charlie Fox marauding run, but en- by any means necessary, ball in the back of the net. Those four players, four nil queens. Back on track. Oh, that would be nice, wouldn't it? It'd be, it'd be great to actually just get a few goals early and just enjoy the game for once. Um, I'm going to go for a relatively optimistic uh, 3-0. I, I, I agree with you. I think Coyle will have them all fired up, ready to go. He'll make a few changes. That'll do as good. And I think you're going to see Savory scoring first. And I reckon we will get Oakley with one. And the last one will be Connor Shields getting back in the score sheet. So I kind of want to go for... Big scores have gone. <laughs> no, 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 listen, I kind of want to go for something daft as well. And the reason for that is... And it's not like... People... I've been accused of of not putting any thought into these predictions. But if that were the case, I wouldn't I wouldn't be top of the, <laughs> of the standings. So, yes... Yeah. There is there is a kind of there's a method behind the madness, and like, what I'm thinking is Wraith are a team who we have previously you know, we've previously gone to Starks Park where they they have a, a good home record, um, they they try to play football they try to open teams up but against us last time it, it backfired and you know with us we tend to score quite a few goals on on our travels, I don't think we have. It's been a while since we've absolutely hammered a team, I feel, as well. So, you said four, David? I went four, no, yes. Callum, what was your story, two, now? Three. 
Three nil. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with five one. <laughs> okay, oak. Right, scorers. Uh, Shields is going to score because it's overdue. Two from Savory. First. Yeah. Uh, no, Savory will be first goal scorer. Sorry. Okay. Um, so Savory first goal scorer. Two from Shields. <clears throat> sorry, no. <laughs> Savory two and first goal scorer. One from Shields. One from Tommy Robson and one from Malboating. The elusive right, Malboating nice. goal. It's the first What's time in four weeks that, that you've. That's the first time in four weeks that you've not had Shield scoring more than uh, one. Yeah, I know. So he's <laughs> going to get a hat trick. And I'll, just, I'll be glad to be wrong. Yeah, I'm just concerned that all of us going for the big massive scorelines again. At say that's never never backfired this season, has it? Not at all. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's hope it certainly doesn't. Um, we're all taking advantage of the five pound offer for the QPSA uh, the bus through. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. No, it's a brilliant, a brilliant offer. Um, obviously applies to the last three games of the season as well, doesn't it? The last three away yep. games of the season. Yep. So it does. Yes. Um, I know that obviously, I'm I'm hoping that that we'll take quite a few through to Starks Park on on Saturday, but also hoping. No, sorry, there's not going to be a bus to Thistle surely. So that what are the three no. games? It'll be <laughs> Morton Air, 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 as well as the Morton game. I was forgetting. Sorry. Yeah. Um. But what I was going to say was obviously, you know, we now have four massive potentially away games this season, and it'd be brilliant to get to get as many people out to them as possible because the the team the team absolutely deserve it. It's been regardless of of what happens this season, they've they've it's been a, a roller coaster, and it's been. I think it's exceeded everybody's expectations, and I know that the Thistle game and the Air game are on TV. But you know, if people can afford to, if people can can have the means to to get to these games, I think I think the team really deserve it, and I hope I hope they get the backing that that they are owed for um for what has been a a phenomenal season so far. Yeah, very well said, Enzo. We'll certainly be there. Shouting and cheering them on and hopefully hopefully one of us at least is right with our score predictions because that would be a very good Saturday indeed. That will do it for this week, Calum and Enzo. It has been a pleasure as always. Thank you, of course, to everybody for continuing to listen to us. We'll keep going through the end of the season. Hopefully we've got a lot more good things to talk about. In the meantime, find us on Twitter at Spiders Talk Pod and find us on Pie and Bovril and all the threads relating to Queen's Park, still including the top of the league and your no thread. So thank you once again for listening. We'll see you all again next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Because of the Dendi Come final League match of friendly But then because of the Dendi Play for the sake of the game Play for the sake of the game